Shalom, and I hope all is well. My name is Yitzchak Schiffman. Thanks for tuning into this podcast, and I hope you enjoy the Torah classes in it. Now, on to the episode. We begin Parshas Toldos, and we begin, really, the story now of Yitzchak, as well as his children Yaakov and Esau, which we'll get to a little bit later. So can begin and tell us these are the descendants of Yitzchak, the son of Abraham. Abraham gave birth to Yitzchak. So Rashi explains the double language here by saying, first pshat, he says that after Akadosh Baruch Hu changed Avraham's name to Avram's name to Avraham, then Yitzchak was born. Alternatively, since people were saying that Sarah was impregnated by Avimelech because for many years she had been with Avraham and she hadn't had children. And when she was returned from Avimelech, finally she bore Yitzchak. So therefore, Kaddish Baruch Hu made a miracle that Yitzchak looked exactly like Avraham in order that everybody would know Avraham was his father. And the Psukim continue from last week's Parshen tell us Yitzchak was 40 years old when he married Rivka, who was the daughter of Besuel from the place of the Arami, from Padan Aram, the sister of Lavan. Rashi explains that it emphasizes her family who were Rishoyim, and she was from a place of wicked people to give praise to her, that even though she was such a wicked person, she was from such wicked people, still she was a tzadikas. She didn't learn from their ways, and she was actually righteous. Now the Psukim tell us, as Rashi understands is that Yitzchak married Rivka when he was 40, and she was three. He waited 10 years from the age of three, when she was Re'uya Labia, fitting to have relations, till she was 13, fitting to become pregnant, and uh, she wasn't able to bear a child. She waited another 10 years, like Avraham waited for Sarah, and she still wasn't pregnant, and so they started to daven. Yitzchak was in one corner, Rivka was in a different corner, and they were both praying that they should be able to have children. So come tell us that Hashem listened to the prayers of Yitzchak, which Rashi explains is because he was a tzaddik ben tzaddik, tzaddik the son of a tzaddik, and she became pregnant. However, the Psukim say, The children were fighting inside of her. Rashi says, either they were fighting because Yaakov and Esav, the children to be born from this pregnancy, one wanted to go out to the Bate Midrashos and one wanted to go out to worship Avodah Zarah, or they were fighting over who would inherit the two worlds, Olam Hazeh and Olam Haba. So Rivka doesn't understand and she says, if all of this pain is going to happen, why did I desire to become pregnant? So she goes to the yeshiva of Shem Ve'ever. And Shem, who is a Novi, brings a message to her telling her that there were two children inside of her and they would develop into two nations, meaning Yaakov would develop into the Jewish people and Esav would eventually develop into Edom. And as he tells her this, he says, actually the greatness of one would only be when the other one falls. These two nations will not be able to share greatness at the same time, but the greatness of one would be by the downfall of the other. These children are born, and the Psukim tell us the first one, which is to be Esav, was covered in hair like a developed child and was red. So everyone who saw this child, they called him Esav, he was fully made. And afterwards, Yaakov emerged, holding onto the heel of Esav. So he called him Yaakov. Rashi learns either that means that Hashem called him Yaakov, or it means his father, Yitzchak, called that second child Yaakov. Rashi explains this symbolism of holding on to the heel of Esav in two different ways. Either he says, since 
Yaakov was formed first from the first drop of Zerah, he was holding on to the heel of Esav so as to say, I'm the first one who should really emerge as the Bechor. Alternatively, he held on to the heel, which was a sign, as we mentioned before, that one would not finish his Malchus until the other one would remove it from him. Psukim tell us that Yitzhak was 60 at this time, as we explained the calculation. He had waited 20 years until his children were born, and he was married at the age of 40. Okay, so we can continue and tell us here the children grew up. And Rashi explains, until the age of 13, you couldn't distinguish them in their characteristics and their behaviors. When they reached 13, Yitzchak went off to the Bate Midrash. He was in Ishtam. He wasn't uh, harif. He wasn't sharp or tricky. He would go and learn in the Bate Midrash of Shem and Ever. And Esav, on the other hand, was Ish Tzayid, Ish Sadeh. He was a sharp, conniving hunter who used to trick his father into thinking that he was righteous, even though he was not. So can say that the day came that Yaakov was cooking a lentil soup. Rashi explains he was cooking this lentil soup, which are round items, so as to be Menachem Ovel, his father, because Avraham had passed away five years before he was meant to, so he wouldn't see Esav go off the derech. And on this day, Esav was out in the fields murdering people. Yaakov was cooking a lentil soup to comfort his father, which is the food given to mourners, which Rashi explains there's two symbolisms of. One is that it's round, symbolizing the life cycle. Is that mourning is something that's part of the life cycle. Alternatively, there's no mouth, there's no opening on it, because an avil is not meant to initiate conversation or respond in conversation based on the number, the days of the avelus. And Esav comes in for murdering people, and he says, give me this red stuff that you're cooking, this lentil soup. So Yaakov essentially responds by saying, I'll give it to you, but I want you to sell to me with the clarity the Bechorah, the firstborn rights. Rashi explains the reason Yaakov wanted him to sell it is because he knew the Bechorah and the firstborns would be the Ovdim, they would serve in the Beis HaMikdash, and he knew Esav was a Russia and not fitting for that. So Esav responded and said two points. Firstly, anyways, eventually in the future, the Bechorah are going to lose the firstborn, the, the ability to serve. You'll go to Shevet Levi. And secondly, there's all kinds of rules that regulate it, and if you don't keep them, you're Chayv Misa. So I don't want this anyways. And therefore he sold it for this uh, soup, and uh, Yaakov gave him this Nazir Adashim, this lentil soup. And uh, Esav sold the Bechorah, and as Rashi explains, he disgraced the service of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So can continue and tell us in Perichavav now that there was a second famine on top of the famine that was in the days of Avraham. And Yitzchak was considering going to Mitzrayim like his father Avraham had done when there was a famine initially in Parshas Lech Lecha. However, HaKadosh Baruch Hu came and said, you should not leave Eretz Yisrael, you're in Ola Tamima, it wouldn't be appropriate for you to leave the Holy Land, stay in this land, and where he eventually lands is in Gerar, and he re-promises to Yitzchak the blessings that he had given Avraham, people will bless using your name, uh, their children, because of your great bracha, and you'll have many children, you'll inherit this land, because Avraham Avinu, your father, kept all of the elements of the Torah. And Rashi goes through each of the elements, and it's incredible, because he also mentions some things that are rabbinic in nature. Avraham kept every part of the Torah, even shvus, even rabbinic aspects that would only be established years later. And the Pesukim say, Yitzchak indeed dwelled in Gerar, which will continue with, God willing, tomorrow, following up with Sheni and the incident that occurred there. Everybody have a wonderful day.